What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to another episode of the Finn Sports Football Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony John Deletti. If it's your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. Glad to have you. If it's not your first time, welcome back. And today I'm continuing with the guest on the podcast. And this guy's been on the podcast now. This is his third time, I believe. Someone that I enjoy talking football with here on the podcast, on Twitter. You guys definitely know him. I'd like to welcome Smart Guy on the podcast. Man, thanks for coming on. How you doing? You know, I'm doing pretty well, man. I can't complain. I'm glad to be here. Dude, eight, eight days away from the draft. The excitement is building. Uh, it's crazy to think that, you know, in about like nine days, we're going to probably be sitting here talking about why we should or shouldn't have taken the player that we took. Um, but so, I'm, I'm really excited, man. The, the older I'm getting with, you know, doing these podcasts and stuff, it really, it's just like, it's crazy how big the draft is. Like, it, to be honest with you, as someone who loves watching film, who loves, you know, seeing these players get drafted and, you know, become great players in the NFL. Like the draft is a super, super exciting time for me more and more every single year. Uh, you ready for it? You excited? I, I am. I'm ready to get it over with. I mean, I said a few days ago, I'm starting to get burned out. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think there'll be the excitement. I think there'll be the disappointment. There'll be the want to pull your hair out and then the, you know, back to excitement, hopefully. And then, you know, figure there'll probably be a week or two of, you know, major overreactions until we finally settle into a place of, you know, comfort. Right, for sure. And you'll definitely be giving us all these. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming you're going to be giving us all these stats and graphs and everything to kind of calm down fans or, you know, make them more level headed of, of what the stats actually say about these players. Yeah, I mean, it, we will. I will. College stats is uh, – you know, it's a little more difficult to get the next-gen stats and, and some of the yeah. PFF stuff. But um, as far as the overall stats, absolutely, and I'm, you know, looking forward to it. Okay, so before we get into the mock draft, obviously we're going to be doing a mock draft here, you and I. Uh, a couple things I want to do. First, I wanted to talk about Chris Greer's press conference he had today. Uh, three specific quotes in general that I wanted to get your opinion on. First one talks about, uh, I forget who exactly asked the question, but they were asking Chris Greer, you know, in a nutshell, when you're looking for players to add, whether it's running back, wide receiver, tight end, whoever it may be, when you're looking for players, what exactly are you looking for? And Chris Greer said this, you're always looking at what does your quarterback do best and weigh that versus the best player available. And then also what your team needs. So we're looking for the right player, the right person, the right fit for our team, as well as that mesh with the quarterback. And for me, when I listen to that, it, it's it's just another confirmation of why I think the addition of an Alabama wide receiver would be so important. And specifically with Devontae Smith, who's going to be someone that we talk a little bit in, in length on this podcast about when, you know, the Dolphins – when you look at those criteria, right, the right player, the right person, right fit for your team, right mesh with the quarterback, I don't really think there's one area that Devontae Smith doesn't fit in. And specifically what I wanted to, you know, the point I want to bring up is the right person. Uh, Brian Flores and Chris Greer talk so much about getting the right type of people in the organization. And I think that's such an X factor that a lot of fans aren't accounting for is, 
you know, Greer and Flores, they're not just looking at the film, at what we're looking at. They're also trying to get a gauge for what type of guy is this that we're bringing onto the team? Is he a team first guy? Is he someone that will mesh well with our locker room? And then on top of that, how's he going to fit in with two? And, you know, when he said that, I was, I was just thinking Devontae Smith the whole time because we saw his character at the Senior Bowl. You shouldn't have any questions from his film. Uh, and the mesh with the quarterback, he has the most chemistry with anyone in the draft aside from Najee, and he plays running back, whereas, you know, they're, they're two different positions, running back and wide receiver. Your thoughts on what Greer had to say? I mean, I think, first of all, I don't – and I'm not saying that you are implying it, but I, I don't necessarily know that he's tipping his hand. I mean, I, I think on any given year, you know, those are stock answers of what you would expect for someone, you know, looking for. Um, as far as meeting those criteria, I don't think that there's an Alabama wide receiver, you know, that played with Tua that, that you could clearly say had more chemistry and connection with Tua. Um, you know, Tua to Judy was a, was a good combination, but, you know, I've pointed out several times, you know, Judy and Ruggs' final season in college before they got drafted. Devontae Smith, you know, out-received them, had more touchdowns, had more yards than both of them. Um, and, you know, Jalen Waddle was around 500 that year. Um, he came fourth in yards that year. So I, I don't think that there's any question as far as who has the chemistry. Um, when it comes to being a technician, route running, you know, not having a limited route tree, I put it out, and I don't have the exact right now, but, you know, the, the stats from this, this past year, um, Devontae Smith had like 830 or 860 yards out of the slot and 990-something yards, you know, out wide. I mean, that's the exact definition of do it all. Right. Um, so, I, I mean, those are great characteristics. I mean, and everybody wants to point to his weight. And, you know, the news came out today, 166 pounds. And I'll be honest with you, I've been a Devontae Smith guy from day one, and I'm not saying that I'm not a Devontae Smith guy, but I'm just a little, I'm a little disappointed. And, you know, I was telling my wife today, I don't understand why immediately after the season, why my man didn't start stuffing double cheeseburgers, protein shakes, what, whatever he wanted to eat. And then he doesn't have to run at his pro day just like he didn't. He can wear sweatshirts, okay, so nobody can tell where that weight's going. Step on the scale at 175, 180 pounds and shut everybody up. And then the second you get off the scale, go back to your normal life doing whatever you want to do because when you get to camp, ain't nobody asking you to go weigh in. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed in, in, in that aspect. And, you know, even me as a Devontae Smith, you know, devout fan, 166 is, is a – at a minimum, you have to understand that it's a little worrisome. Right. And, and, and they asked him going into the next question that I wanted to talk about. They asked him about size. They asked him, you know, they, they didn't say Devonte Smith's name. Obviously they're not going to, but you know, they talk about, you know, with some receivers, you know, with size being a concern measurables coming through, you know, closer to the draft, like they did today, how much of an impact does that have? Uh, and Chris Greer, talking about size says that the game has changed a little bit and smaller players are given more room to showcase their talent. Uh, he mentioned, uh, you know, people have mentioned Tyreek Hill being a huge part in that, how we're seeing that, even though he's, he's more of a unicorn, you know, he's a, he's in his own category. Uh, but he also goes on to say, it's all part of the evaluation. 
Every player tells their own story. The league has changed as well with all the rules. It's more of an offensive league and smaller players are contributing more. And you know what? The thing about what he said, which is something that, you know, I know you say, and a lot of people say when talking about Smith is for me, when I turn on the film, I understand the weight. And honestly, when it was 166, I was like, what the heck? Cause I feel like his number keeps going down. Like I was like, I felt like he started at like 175. Now is then it was 170. Now it's 166. And so I'm not really sure about what it truly is. Um, it, it's probably 166, but it's just, it's weird that it keeps going down. But for me, the reason why I keep going back to Devonte Smith, you, he shouldn't be sliding on people's boards is because when I turn on the film, right? Chris Greer says it's all part of the evaluation. Every player tells their own story. When I watched the film of Devonte Smith, there was never a moment to me where I'm like, okay, he looks and plays skinny and small. Like there were many times where I was like, no, he doesn't need to be the strongest guy out there because his routes are so fluid that he was just shredding SEC defenses every time he got on the field. So, you know, I'm curious what your thoughts are. You know, obviously you just mentioned the weight being a little bit of a concern to you now at 166, but are you a type of guy that when you just turn on the film, you're like, I understand the weight, but I also can't deny what I'm seeing of him carving up defenses for four years. No, I mean, you're right. The film Here's my thing. If Devontae Smith weighed, you know, 185 pounds, I, I don't know how many people could deny him, you know, being wide receiver one. Right. Um, people ultimately want to point to Chase, um, you know, in the year he had last year. And the year he had last year was absolutely phenomenal. But I don't think people point out the fact, you know, Devontae Smith had the year he had this year without Waddle. And there wasn't – not one other first-round wide receiver on that field with Devontae Smith. So as soon as Waddle goes down, everybody's game plan goes to, we're going to shut down Devontae Smith. Um, he can get bracketed, doubled, you know, everything. The focus goes to him. And he was still – he had seven games over 150 yards last year. Um, so he still dominated. So there's, there's nothing concerning on his film. I, I will say – and I do think that he's the most NFL ready, you know, when you, when you're not talking about weight NFL ready um, wide receiver to, to come out of this year's class. And I don't think it's particularly close, um, but I do think that you're sort of in a, you know, a bang bang situation because if Smith goes out there and is able to stay healthy, then I think you're going to have, you know, a very productive player and nobody's going to be saying anything. But if he goes out there in, you know, week three, week six, week 12, and even if he tweaks his ankle, it's going to be the, I told you he couldn't stand up in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And you, and all of that's going to just come coursing down, and that's all you're going to hear. And, you know, players get injured all the time. Um, and, you know, you, they, they draft a DVP despite major, you know, injury concerns from college. And it's, you know, look how it's translated on, you know, into the NFL. So I think that you're accepting that if you draft Devontae Smith of, hey, he's either going to be a productive player or, you know, he's going to get injured. You know, can we get his weight up? And, and, and for his weight, here's my thing. And it's a question that, honestly, I don't have the answer to. I don't know. 
I'm wondering what your thoughts are on it, but like the reason why the weight isn't so much of a concern to me is what if, okay, say, say a team passes on him, right. For weight, because I don't think I, I, I think you agree with me. It's impossible to like watch his film and be like, he's not good. Like no one doubts his film. I think it's more so just the weight, which some people don't want to accept that that's why they don't like him as much, but it probably is. Um, is that not something though? Say you pass on him. What if he goes to another team? He gets, you know, older through the years, one, two years, puts on more muscle, puts on more weight. Not saying he's going to suddenly become DK Metcalf, but what if now you passed on a guy because of weight, he goes to a team that you, obviously you didn't pick him, puts on more weight, not saying a, a crap load more, but he puts on a good amount of weight to, to have a better build. And now all of those worries about his weight are no longer there. And you passed up a guy who has that wide receiver one potential, but you were so worried about the weight that you passed up on him. I guess for me, that's, that's a question that I don't know the answer to if that's even possible because Alabama, I mean, you know, you're an Alabama fan. That's as close to an NFL weightlifting program as you're going to get. Do you think he could go to a team and put on, more weight to where it's not going to be a concern. Do I think you could put on more, more weight to not be a concern? I mean, the answer I think is yes, but it depends on the time. I mean, I think if you're expecting Devontae Smith to weigh 180 pounds this season or next, I think it's a pipe dream because he has the best nutritionist, the best strength and conditioning coach. And I would say Alabama's strength and conditioning you know, program rivals any NFL team, okay? Um, And, you know, their facilities, okay, and being trained, you know, under that program. And to think that, oh, well, you know, we're just going to come here and put him under our program and he's going to gain, you know, 14 pounds. I think it's a pipe dream. You know, in five years, can Devontae Smith be 180 pounds? Absolutely. I mean, I weighed about 160 pounds until I got 30. And then all of a sudden now, I'm, you know, 185. Okay. You know, um, so can you put on weight? Absolutely. But I, I mean, I, th- I think you're going to be severely disappointed if you draft Devontae Smith and you under the expectation that this season or next he'll weigh 180 pounds or more. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's, you know, a real pipe dream. And as far as the, he goes somewhere else and puts on pounds and, you know, the, you know, sort of the, oh, man, we missed him. I mean, unfortunately, that happens in every single draft. Yeah. I mean, you know, players get, you know, passed over, you know, every single draft. I mean, I don't care if it's the best draft in the world. You could go back and look, and you're going to find, you know, the player you picked at 30 only played in one or two games, but yet players picked at 130 at the same position were dominating. Um, so, I mean, that happens every single year. So, I mean, I think you have to be comfortable and say, hey, this is his weight. I'm comfortable with it. And, and if you can do that, then I think you're going to get a heck of a player because my expectations is, is, you know, Devontae Smith can go out there and be an all pro, you know, pro bowl wide receiver, or he's going to go out there and be, you know, a, a severe disappointment and, and start to, you know, see some nagging injuries. I think it's, you know, it's going to be somewhere in the middle. I don't expect, you know, to be this middle of the road. I think all the talents there, can you get in there and have a little bit of luck? You know what I mean? 
in holding out. I mean, there, there's, there are examples, you know, Marvin Harrison, he's a hall of famer. Okay. And, and played in a crap load of games. And, you know, somebody on Twitter put out the number of games. He it's up there top five, most games. So, I mean, if he didn't have injury concerns. Yeah. And I, I guess kind of going off what you were saying about how, you know, if he were to get injured, people would point to his weight and I've just never been, you know, one of those people, I think that, good players come in all shapes and sizes at positions. I mean, we have a quarterback right now who is talked about a lot for his size, especially coming out of the draft. Um, But then you look at someone like a Drew Brees and you say, okay, well, there are people that always succeed with different types of shapes and sizes. And especially, I don't know, as a Dolphins fan who sees Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, guys who are big, are have a good size, good weight, get injured. For me, I just, I don't know. If, if Devontae Smith were to get injured, and the reason why I would love having him is because, you know, if he gets injured, I understand that, okay, could just be the NFL. And, look, you could run an injury risk with anyone, okay? We look at before the draft, look at Joe Burrow, look at Tua. Tua was the injury king. Everyone was like, red flags, red flags, medicals, medicals. He goes into the season – And Joe Burrow's the one because of the team he's on that ends up having the injury, ends up missing a lot of his season, might not be ready for the beginning of next season. So for me, I mean, I guess kind of going off what you were saying, it depends on the person. I wouldn't be one of those guys that thinks like, oh, just because he's smaller, he's going to get injured more. I've seen players that have no injury risk come into the league and just have injury issues. I've seen players have injury issues in college and not have middle in the NFL And I've seen players who obviously, as you said, have injury history in college and have injury history in the NFL. But to me, you know, I understand the size may be concerning, but I just like when I watch the film with Devontae Smith, the thought of the chemistry he has with Tua mixed with what I see on film. I don't know. To me, I I look, I understand the weight and I'm not trying to say this as to convince you. I know you're high on him too, but I mean, it's not enough for me personally to be like, yeah, that's not the direction we should go because he weighs 166. A lot of this just comes with luck. I mean, you know, Joe Burrow tearing out his knee. I mean, you know, th- there's not a lot he could have done to avoid that. Not at all. Okay. Um, you know, Preston Williams and DVP, 6'3 and 6'5, 210, 211 pounds, you know, both injured. And, and I, I'm not blaming either one of them for their injuries. I mean, injuries are just freak things that happen. Yeah, football. Um, you know, now, you know, God bless him because, I mean, if if Devontae Smith had an injury history, oh, I mean, he'd be undraftable. But, you know, I mean, that's the one thing that he can stand by and say, you know, I haven't had an injury, you know, past people. And if you're listening and you want to say, well, he came out of the championship game, I guarantee you if that had become a game, he'd have gotten back in. Yeah, you know, I mean, when you're, you know <laughs> – when, what did he already have? Like two, three touchdowns at the time? Yeah, like, 215 yards at yeah. half. Yeah, that's an, like it's first of all, it's college football. And I don't even think it was really a competition, but you know, before the game even started. Uh, so, yeah, again, I don't, same thing with, I don't know how it was with Waddle. To be honest, I don't really follow college football a lot. I've said that on the podcast, I don't follow it a lot until draft happens. Um, you probably do more than I do. But no, I mean, when he came out, I was like, okay, well, you know, what, what do you want him to do? That's when Tua, I mean, you know, you saw it. Tua stayed in the game um, when he got injured in college. Didn't really need to be in there. 
and gets injured. I mean, uh, you don't need him to stay in there and risk him possibly getting injured after a Heisman winning season. That's right. So, I mean, that's one thing that I'd say is going for Devontae Smith is he does not have a history, you know what I mean, of being injured. Right. And, you know, beyond the weight, I mean, he's an, he's an A1 player. I think he's the most NFL-ready player, you know, uh, to come out. I mean, the man just finished six uh, or finished this season with the six most single-season yards in the in history of, you know, NCAA, and he had the fifth most touchdowns in NCAA history for a season. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I've I've said many times, and we'll talk about it when we get on the, you know, mock draft that we'll be doing here shortly. I think if you're, you know, going back to what Chris Greer said, I understand it's, you know, a vanilla answer that they have to give, but you just talk about Devonte Smith, and you look at, you know, why why do you draft a wide receiver or a running back or an offensive lineman? You draft them to make your quarterback's life easier, and if you're telling me who's going to make to his life the easiest, it's going to be the guy who is a, a phenomenal character, a, a phenomenal player. And on top of it, he would come onto the team and have the most chemistry with Tua before even taking a snap. And that's with, you know, players that Tua has already played with on the dolphins. He would have more chemistry with Tua on and off the field more so than Parker, Gesicki, Williams, Bowden, all of them. And for me, if you're telling me how can I make Tua feel the most comfortable, get him someone that he's played with before. I don't disagree. I mean, I would say that chemistry, though, is, is you know, the only time I'm really going to look at chemistry is if there's two players that are close, you know, as a tiebreaker. And I'll just be honest with you, for me at the wide receiver position, if we're talking about skill and production – I mean, it's Devontae Smith, and it's not particularly close with any other wide receiver. So, you know, with just, you know, just on that standpoint alone. But, yeah, everything, you know, you mentioned about chemistry, I I don't disagree with one bit. And I've watched, you know, Tua, um, Waddle, and Devontae Smith. I've watched every snap they've ever taken live. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why I love talking about this with you, because I will admit, you know, I'm not going to – I say this all the time on the podcast. I'm not trying to be – right all the time. I don't believe I'm right all the time. It's about me trying to learn, understand, and hopefully give people good information. And that's why, you know, I wanted to talk a lot about Alabama football with you because I know from talking with you from, you know, seeing your posts and stuff, you're an Alabama fan actually more than you are a Dolphins fan. Uh, And so, you know, I want to talk about these things with you because you have that perspective to where you watch all their snaps. I didn't watch all their snaps. I'm not going to sit here and act like you know, I watched all their snaps every single game. Every I, I didn't, and so to get that perspective from someone who did, it, it's it's nice to know. Absolutely. So, okay. So now we talked about this. Actually, unrelated question. Before we get into the should, shouldn't, will, if the Dolphins draft Devonte Smith, is he lining up number six day one? You talking about is he going to take number six? Yes. Yeah, he is he taking number six. Um, you think he's taking like a different number. Uh, I'm just going to go out on a live here. I'm not sure what his number was in high school, but I mean, if six is available, I, I would, I don't have any inclination or any inside knowledge to, to know why you wouldn't pick a different number. So I would, I would assume six. Right. And I I've noticed that too. I I've, I've heard that like players like high school numbers, like they actually 
will favor those numbers more than college. I don't know if that's true or if you know, but apparently they favor high school numbers more because like that's where they started. I don't know if that's true, but like, I mean, that is a good point that, you know, that is something that these players look to. It's not just college. Yeah, absolutely. Most of the time in high school, there's more flexibility of, you know, what's your favorite color or what's your favorite number. And, you know, they get that. So, um, and then, you know, oftentimes when you get to the pros and when you get to, you know, the NFL, you don't have as much flexibility. As much flexibility, right. Okay, so let's get into this game. Should, shouldn't, will. Actually, let's go shouldn't, should, will. Okay, so what we're going to do, never done this on the podcast before, going to try it out with you. Um, so sorry, you're my guinea pig, uh, but I, I think it's going to be fun. Um, we're going to go through teams four through ten because I think we agree one, two, three is going to be quarterback. The third quarterback off the board can be a debated conversation for a different day. We're going to start at Atlanta. I want you to give me the player or the position they shouldn't take at four. They should take and who you think if you're, you know, betting your money, which you should never do on a draft, who you think they will take. So we'll start off with Atlanta pick four. Give me your shouldn't, should, and will. Hmm, pick four. So we got the Atlanta Falcons. Um, yeah. They need an edge player. So, and I don't think that there's any edge player that, that warrants the fourth pick. Right. So I would say that they should not, you know, select anybody at edge, whether it be Phillips or, or anybody. Um, I think that they, I think that they should have a real conversation about how many years are left on Matt Ryan's contract and, and what they believe in him. And I think that this is a, you know, a good time to be shopping that. Um, they also need, you know, cornerback, but I'm not going cornerback at four. So I would say that they should take a look, you know, at a quarterback you know, a guy like Trey Lance is going to need more training, you know, more time to develop, and he could do that under Matt Ryan. So I think that they should do that. As far as what they will do, I think uh, I'm leaning pits or trade back. Um, gun to my head, I'll say, I'll say Atlanta trades back. Okay. I, I like that actually, to be honest with you, I'll give you mine real quick. So what I have is I have, they shouldn't, this is, I, I don't believe, let me say this to start off. I view the Atlanta Falcons very similarly to how I view the Cowboys where they have a quarterback who can play well. I don't know what Matt Ryan has left. Obviously him and Dak Prescott are Dak Prescott are at different years, but I believe that Matt Ryan can play good football. They have weapons. They have an offensive line that is actually their offensive line is not as good as the Cowboys. They have a running back that's kind of been on the decline, obviously with Todd Gurley and Zeke Elliott, and they have no defense. And to me, what they should not do at four is go Pitts. I think Pitts is phenomenal. You obviously talking with a nutty professor, you're, you get talked about Pitts more than anyone I think on the planet. So as much as I like him, I don't think they should go pits because they'll just score a lot of points and still lose games. 
Um, I think they should trade back, which is what you said that you think they will do. I think that they should trade back unless there's a quarterback that they like, you know, fields is there at four for them and they want to move on from Matt Ryan or at least have someone, you know, waiting in the wings. I could completely be on board with that. Um, and I think that's what they should do. But to be honest with you, if I think what I, what I would guess they probably will do, um, and this could be wrong, but I, I think they'll take Pitts. I think he's one of those players that, and I think the Atlanta Falcons are one of those organizations that will buy the hype around him of him being like that Quentin Nelson talked about prospect. They'll want the guy to come in, you know, make that offense what it was in, I don't know what year it was when they went to the Super Bowl with Shanahan, but they're going to want to get pieces, not saying it's what they should do, but I think that they'll probably end up going Pitts. But definitely, you know, agreeing with you what they – I think they should trade back. Get picks, go defense um, at wherever you fall to. Get picks to build your team up and take it from there. So let's go on Cincinnati Bengals. Shouldn't, should, will. I'll start this time. I think they shouldn't go a weapon. Um, I understand the Jamar Chase with Joe Burrow. You know, as fans of the Dolphins, we understand Devontae Smith with Tua. I get it offensive line is where they should go. And if they do not go offensive line, I mean, the, I, I, there's already so many questions about the Cincinnati Bengals. Like if you don't go offensive line and protect your quarterback that you took first overall, I mean, I, I don't, someone needs to be fired in that organization. And I think ultimately they will go offensive line. I don't understand how you would pass up Penny Sewell if he's there for you at five and then you can get a wide receiver, you know, in the second round. I mean, you basically have a late first round pick. Go wide receiver second round if you want. Okay. I think that they shouldn't draft Jamar Chase. Okay. So you're on same. Oh, yeah. Okay. But Pitts, are you thinking they should? No. Okay. I think that they I think that they should draft offensive line, Penay Sewell. Um, I think that they will draft Jamar Chase. Did you hear my podcast? Um, I don't know if you listened to the podcast I just did. I went out and I, I talked to um, – I had Dolphins Unite on, and I know I've talked about this with you privately about how my girlfriend's dad, cousin with Zach Taylor and everything, and I remember telling you at first when it happened, him talking to the family, he was like, I find it hard to believe that they wouldn't take offensive line – Obviously, Zach doesn't tell anyone in the family. It's not always 100% his decision. But when I talked to her dad the other day, he said from talking with the family, the tide has shifted and they firmly believe that they will take Jamar Chase. Yeah, I hadn't heard that last update, but I – you know, yeah, I, 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 I didn't because I yeah. knew you were coming on the podcast and I was like, I wonder what he thinks. Obviously, uh, I said this on Monday. I don't want people to think like – I know that for a fact they're definitely taking Jamar Chase. They could take Penny Sewell. I don't have an inside. I just found it very interesting that that tide turned. Yeah, I think that that's what they'll end up doing. Um, just because I don't know that the Bengals are that great of a run organization. No, not at all. And, um, and that's just what I envision that they would do. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's a lot of times with like with the Cowboys. I'm like, we'll talk about that, but I'm like, they should do this. Will they? Probably not. So 
you know, with Cincinnati Bengals, again, I think it's so obvious that they need to go offensive line, but knowing them, they would go, they would go Jamar Chase. So let's talk about the Miami Dolphins, okay? Miami Dolphins, our team, you get to go first, who they shouldn't take, or it doesn't necessarily need to be a player. Basically, what should they not do? What should they do? And what do you think they will do? I think that they should not draft Jamar Chase. And I've said that twice now, and Jamar Chase is an absolute phenomenal player. Um, But there are a lot of Jamar Chases on the team right now. And I'm not claiming that they're not they're as good as Jamar Chase, but you need you know different things, different flavors. Um, I think that they should take a serious look at offensive line if Sewell is available. And people will hate me because they just signed Fluker. Right. Um, but at the same time, you know, if you look. In every statistical category, Fluker was behind rookie Robert Hunt last season. Um, you know, that's not good. And, and on top of that, you know, Fluker was giving up around 10%. If you looked at the pressures, 10% of the pass plays that he was out on the field, that he, he was giving up pressures himself. Hunt was at like 5%, right? Um, let me see. I've got it pulled up. I think um, Austin Jackson was at 3%. And I think Hunt, I've got it right here. All right, so 10.24% of the time on passing plays, Fluker gave up pressure. 7% of the time, Austin Jackson gave up pressure. And 5.12% of the time, Hunt gave up pressure. So I don't really see an upgrade there. Okay, Um, this is his fifth or 16. I think it's his 16 Mm -hmm. um, since he's been in the league. Um, you know, so Dolphin fans that are seeing his charger highlights, you know, primarily if you've got a great player, he's not going to make it to a sixteen, okay, and his third different one in three years. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that the line is solidified. Um, I think what they will do is they will probably go pits if available. Okay, first of all, you have some sort of superpower because you literally word for word read, read exactly what I have for the Miami Dolphins. I said they shouldn't take Jamar Chase. I said they should take Sewell if available. And I said what they will do is they'll take Pitts if he's available. Or I put, hmm. or they will trade back because honestly, I think they believe, like I believe Smith will fall. And what I said is if you traded back, say to nine and you're at six, if all three wide receivers are available, which they would be in our scenario, only two of them at worst case scenario would go seven, eight. Um, And I believe that teams would take Waddle and chase over Smith, especially with the size coming out. So the only difference I had with you is I said, they would trade back if Sewell or Pitts aren't available. And if, you know, if Pitts is there, I think they would go pits over Sewell. Not saying that's what I would do. I think, you know, I don't I don't know how it's possible to watch Dolphins football within the last 10 years and not want offensive line. However, um, Pitts is a very good talent. Uh, and so I think that if he's there at six, they'll take him. Uh, if Sewell's available and Pitts isn't, they'll take I don't know. They I don't think they I don't think they would take Sewell because what you mentioned, I mean, 
if they wanted Sewell, they might have stayed at three, unless they do want Sewell and they didn't think he'd go there. But yeah, uh, they'll probably go Pitts if he's available. And if he's not, I think they'll trade back to try to get a Bama wide receiver at nine or hopefully nine inside top 10. So thank you for stealing my (laughs) content. I appreciate it, but that does go to show that we might not agree on all things. We, but we, there are a lot of things that we have the similar mindset on. So Detroit lions real quick, Uh, Detroit lions. I think that they, I'm one of those people. I don't think they should pass on a quarterback. Like for me, I understand, look, Jared Goff, you're paying a lot of money too. You got picks for him though. Like you got picks for sending away Matt Stafford. I don't believe in Jared Goff. I personally, I like to joke that Brian Flores ruined his career after we played him this past year. Um, if, if someone like Justin Fields is there uh, or Trey Lance, if you want him, uh, I believe they should take him because I don't believe in Jared Goff. If he couldn't work with Sean McVay, I don't see him working with the Detroit Lions. Like it's as simple as that. So I, I wouldn't pass on Fields or Lance uh, specifically because next year, the quarterback class, I haven't really looked at it too much. I don't think it's nearly as good as this year. So what I do think is I think they should take a quarterback if the right quarterback is there. Um, but I think that ultimately they'll probably take wide receiver. Like in this scenario, if, if Jamar Chase is there, they'll probably take Jamar Chase. Um, Cause similar with the Bengals, like the Detroit lions, they have a lot of needs and they don't usually do the right thing. And I think that if they can add a, a wide receiver like Jamar Chase to the mix, um, get some tickets, you know, get some Jersey sales, get Jared Goff a weapon to replace Kenny Galladay. I think they do that. Okay. Well, I think that the Lions should not look at a quarterback. Interesting. Um, only reason I say that is, I mean, you just made a trade and got, you know, Jared Goff, okay? Uh, I mean, and on top of that, you know, if you look at him, I mean, last season – he completed 67% of his passes and almost threw for 4,000 yards. Um, he, so you're, you're not getting, uh, you know, Sam Darnold, okay? <laughs> you, know, you know, you're not getting that. You're getting a guy who's at 67%, um, you know, passing and almost, you know, like I said, almost 4,000 yards. He needed 48 more yards to have 4,000 last year. So I, I don't think that they should do that. Um, so that's my, you know, my, they shouldn't, I think that they should take a guy like Micah Parsons. Um, that defense is absolutely atrocious. It's broken. It needs rebuilding. Um, but I think that they will take a guy like Jalen Waddle if he's available. Okay. Carolina Panthers. Um, I think they have weapons. Hopefully Christian McCaffrey comes back healthy. They have Sam Darnold at cornerback at quarterback. Excuse me. Um, I think they shouldn't go wide receiver. I think there's other needs. I would take an offensive lineman, especially when you have a running back like McCaffrey, if you can open up the run game with the weapons that you have, maybe take a guy later. Um, I think they should take offensive line and I think they will, Uh, especially Sewell should be gone by that point. Um, But I could see them taking a guy like Darisol or Slater there. Uh, at eight to protect Arnold, hopefully open up the run game, um, which then opens up a lot of your offense. Okay. So remind, who's the Carolina Panthers quarterback? Sam Darnold. 
Exactly. So I, I think that they shouldn't take offensive line. I think that they should take the best quarterback available. And I think that they will take a guy like Slater. So you think – so you you ultimately don't think they should take offensive line, but you think they will? Yes, because, I, I mean, I think that they'll go in that direction. But, I, you know, I think they were in the running to get a lot higher sweepstakes quarterbacks, and I think that they've had to settle. And, you, you know, you've got a – you know, an owner there who wants to win now, and I'm not sure that – you know, Darnold's the way to go. And I think that there are a lot of quarterbacks, you know, in this class. And I think with all this shuffling around, I mean, it's possible you might have a Justin Fields available at this point. Yeah, I mean, I'm high on um, Fields. Uh, so, I, yeah, if he was there, I I would understand it. Like, I, I don't – I mean, I understand that Sam Darnold's a quarterback. I think they should give him at least a year with the weapons to see, like, okay, everyone talked about him in New York – not having weapons, not having a line. He has a running back, has weapons, get him a little bit better of an offensive line, see what he can do. But if Fields, someone who I think shouldn't fall past three, um, if he is there, yeah, I could see them easily taking that. Yeah, I just think that – and here's my thing. Even if you draft a quarterback there, I mean, he doesn't have to start day one. Right. You, you know, you, you, you let him learn under, you know, Darnold – and start coaching him up and getting him ready, you know, to play, um, you know, would be my – would sort of be my pitch. But, I mean, my thing is, is they're so hungry to win now that they were ready to give away everything to yeah. get a quarterback. Um, and my thing is, is are we saying that just because they got Darnold that it's going to stop? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, he's got, he, he would have had to really win over the room, you know what I mean, in order for that to happen. Yeah. Okay, so let's finish off Denver, and then we'll do the Cowboys. Denver, I think that they shouldn't. I, I understand, like Mike Parsons, they could easily take defense because um, they have a defensive-minded coach, like if Parsons is there. Um, I don't think they should take defense. Uh, that might, you know, you might not agree with that. I don't think they should take defense. I think that I look at a lot of their team, and I'm like, they have a pretty good team. Like on defense, they have a defensive defensive minded coach they have some great pieces on defense they have a decent offensive line a running back pretty good weapons hopefully judy you know continues to develop um i think that they should trade up to try to get a quarterback uh if they don't feel like they can at nine uh and i think that they will whether it's trading up or taking a guy like lance if he's there at nine i think that they should take a quarterback because i was never a believer in drew lock and personally, I don't know if you agree or disagree, but when I look at the Denver Broncos, they're not like an awful, awful team. Like they have good pieces um, around them on defense, on offense, but I just think they need to get that quarterback that can take them to the next level. I don't disagree too much. I, th- I think that they, that they shouldn't, you know, go anywhere outside of quarterback. Um. I think that they, you know, should start weighing the board as they go with the list of quarterbacks and have their second tier, you know, guys ready and be quick to react on draft night to move up if they have to. Um, But I think that they will end up probably taking um, a linebacker, you know, if Parsons is there or, or, 
or somebody in that nature, you know, you've got Joke, you've got Parsons, you know, somebody in that role at linebacker, I think, is where they will probably eventually fall. And quick question before we finish with the Cowboys and get into this mock draft. If the Dolphins trade back, do you are you in the same boat with me that if they were to trade back again, say a team were to trade up with them, do you think Denver is the most likely candidate being able to stay inside top 10, a team that wants a quarterback? Uh, you still have the option possibly to get, um, you know, a Devontae Smith or an Alabama wide receiver there at nine. If the Dolphins trade back, you think that's the most likely spot that they would trade to? I think they're Carolina. Um, I don't see, you know, Dallas needing to come up. Right. You know, I don't see, you know, many others. You know, I don't think Detroit's going to make a move. I mean, and, and just me personally, I, I don't want to go outside the top ten. Um, because I've seen people, I mean, people are like, you know, what if Chicago comes calling? And I'm like, look, they wouldn't have traded to 12 back to six just to go to like 20. Like they want to stay. Like Brian Flores, they do a lot of smoke screens, but a lot of times they say exactly like what they want to do. And Brian Flores said, like, we want to stay inside the top 10. And then they traded back. We were like, oh, they didn't stay inside the top 10. And then they came back. So, you know, I I, I just was wondering because, you know, I don't think it's going to be like they trade back to, you know, 20 or something like that with a team further back than where they are at 18. Yeah, I don't see that either. Okay. So with the Cowboys, uh, similar to the um, Falcons, I don't think they should go offense unless maybe there's an offensive lineman there that falls that you really, really like because the Dallas Cowboys have always been offensive line driven and their offensive line's kind of been on the uh, you know decline the last couple of years. Uh, I think they should go defense. So I don't think they should go offense unless it's O-line. Like I don't think they should get a wide receiver, Kyle Pitts, um, with all the hype around that, like, I don't think they should do that at all. Um, I think they should go defense and I think they'll most, most likely end up going cornerback, whether it's Sertan Horn, um, Farley probably there with the injury concern uh, is probably too high. Although I think he's a phenomenal player. Uh, it'll probably be cornerback like Sertan or Horn. I think that they shouldn't go offensive line. I think that they should go cornerback, and I think that they will get Patrick Sertan. Okay. So, and, and then they're going to pair him with Diggs, who also played with Sertan at Alabama. So, you know, it's not out of the realm possibility that they go Alabama cornerback. So, okay. Well, that does that for, you know, should I, I don't know if I'm going to, what I'll name it. I'm really just testing it out. Uh, we'll probably not play it again because the draft is coming up. So who knows if we're going to play it again, but I appreciate you being the little guinea pig kind of for that game. But let's get into what everyone is here for. 52 minutes later, we're finally going to get into the mock draft. Uh, we're going to use, I know you use uh, PFF um, a lot and it doesn't have that trade noise. I did the, uh, the mock draft network, the draft network's mock draft machine. And it kept making the the ringing noise, the phone call noise. So I was like, yeah, I, I can't use that again. So we're going to use the PFF mock draft simulator. We'll be going through it um, fast speed. We'll, we'll walk through pick by pick. Starting off with pick six, best player on the board. Uh, Kyle Pitts, Devontae Smith are both available. Um, Penny Sewell's off the board. Jamar Chase is off the board. 
in this scenario, uh, you know, just going off that should, shouldn't, should, or should, shouldn't, will, uh, I think they will take Kyle Pitts in this scenario unless there's a team really wanting to trade with them to where they feel like they could get Smith. But I think in this scenario, you know, I would love Devontae Smith, but I think they would take Kyle Pitts here. Yeah, I think that they would take Kyle Pitts. I mean, if I'm the if I'm the GM, I'm not going to take Kyle Pitts. I'm going to take either Devontae Smith or Micah Parsons, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, but that's just me personally. I, but, I mean, I think the consensus draft pick, you know, at that position would be Pitts. Um, Pitts is absolutely phenomenal. And I just commented, you know, today or yesterday, somebody put out, you know, a highlight of Pitts. And he's phenomenal. But every single catch he made, with the exception of one, he is blanketed. I mean, I don't see much difference between, you know what I mean? It's the same way with Jamar Chase. Now, I think Pitts is more talented, um, and he doesn't have any body concerns. But, I mean, I, if it depends on how we're rolling with this. I mean, if we're being realistic, I think Pitts is the pick here. Um, if we were going to be, you know, a little outside the box, I'd probably go Parsons here. And the only reason why I say that is, is because if you look, you know, if you look at the first round draft pick wide receivers versus the second round draft pick wide receivers, it's no contest. You get a lot more value in the second round than you do in the first round. Yeah. Um, and typically the first wide receiver off the board never leads the league in yards when it comes for rookies. So, I mean, if we want to play it, you know, normal, I say Kyle Pitts, um, because I think that's ultimately what they end up doing. Okay. So, but, but what, what, what would you want to do? Do you want to change it up? Do you want to go Micah Parsons and see how it folds or do you want to do realistic what we would think that they would do? I'll stay realistic, but as we go, if there's a pick that I'm like, this is where I'd go, I'd say it because at the same time, I don't want this whole thing to be everybody complaining about, Oh my God, you took Micah Parsons because I know it's a little outside the box. Right. I know. Oh my God. There would be people that would flip, you know, what, if the Dolphins went linebacker, not saying that they should, but that I know, I know that there are a lot of people that would. Um, okay, so pick 18. I know a guy you're high on here, um, Tevin Jenkins, uh, offensive tackle here. Wouldn't mind that pick at all. Um, I, a guy that I'm really high on. I'm, I, I'm not sure last time you were on the podcast when we had everyone on. I'm not sure if we talked about Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. He's a guy that I just like. I think he is a Brian Flores guy all the way. Someone that can play a bunch of positions, very athletic, raw. Um, someone that obviously you can bring in and mold. Um, but for me, those are the two positions or the two guys that I would like here. I'm not as big on running back. Um, this, the, the heart tells me like Najee Harris, like, oh man, I would love Najee and Tua back together. But like if I'm a GM – I would probably go probably Tevin Jenkins here, but I also really, really love Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. I mean, me here, I would go joke. Um, and I, I don't ever try to say his whole name, but um, I'd go joke here. At, <laughs> Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa. Yeah. I'd go joke at um, linebacker here because, I mean, if you think Flores is not going to pick a defensive player in the top four, I mean, I, I think you're, you're going to be in for right. some heartache come draft day there are people that you know don't think that there are people that are like offense every pick and i'm like do you understand who our coach is like i understand we need help on offense but brian flores is a defensive coach and well i think a lot of it stems from the fact that you and i kind of agree this defense isn't 
the perfect defense, like a lot of it predicated on Xavier Howard. So I think a lot of that comes from people think, you know, defense doesn't need to be touched at all. But, you know, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, a guy that can play slot, linebacker, a guy that Brian Thor is probably, you know, it came out that he loves Micah Parsons. I thought that was stupid because I'm like, yeah, a lot of people do. You know, a, a shock, a defensive coach loves the number one linebacker in the draft. But I think he would love to get a guy like Jeremiah Wusukoromoa that can play a bunch of positions. We know he loves that. I think, I mean, I would be ecstatic if that was the pick here. Absolutely. So we go Jeremiah Wusukoromo with uh, the 18th pick. And here's the thing. I feel like if we go Kyle Pitts or something, like a lot of people, doesn't even matter what we do, which is kind of stupid because if you think about it, it's only one pick, one player. But um, I think if we went like Kyle Pitts with the first pick, I don't even think, do you think people will care? Not saying it's true or it's correct, but, you know, I don't, if we pick Tevin Jenkins there, I don't even think people, if we got like a Kyle Pitts or something, there's people that wouldn't even care after that. Here's where in my, in my opinion, this is the point where it gets interesting. The second round. Yeah. 36 here, because like second and third round, I think are the, that's where I'm very curious because like, I think there's, as you said, such good value here. And I'm very curious to see, where the Dolphins, I mean, look at last year, Raekwon and Hunt, probably mm-hmm. I would say our two best rookies in the second round. And then Brandon Jones, third round, like they know how to draft in these second, third rounds, which is what good GMs do. So I agree with you. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I'm very, very curious to see what they do here. Because I mean, just me here, I'd take Walker Little and, and, and go on at tackle. But I, I'm going to be honest with you. I just don't see how you know, this late in the game at 36, and especially the way that it went last year, how they're going to walk away from the running back position. I, I just don't see it. And Najee's available, and I'll be honest with you, I like PFF for, you know, some some stats, some snap counts, and, and some analysis. But I think this is where um, on the mock drafts they get a little crazy. Najee's available at 36, and I'll just be honest with you, I'm not a betting man, but I bet a large sum of money he's not going to be there. Um, but I mean, if he was available, I'd take Najee here, but you know, it depends on how you want to do this. Realistically, I think Javante could be there at 36. Um, and Najee wouldn't, but at the same time, if Najee was available, I'd take him. And and if Javante was available, I'd take him, you know, as well. Yeah. It's just that no running. Here's the thing with running backs and Chris Greer talked about it today. We didn't talk about it, but I don't know why people think it would be crazy for a team to take Najee in the first round or something I'm not saying the Dolphins need to but if you're a team that like if you just view the first round as like yeah we're only like two players away I understand yeah I could get a running back in the second round but if your team for instance say the Buffalo Bills like I know that would be the worst case scenario like we'd all hate it but if you're a team that doesn't need that many positions why would you not take a really good player yeah he's a running back you're going to get him on a rookie contract for four to five years and you don't really need that many other positions. Why would you wait until the end of the second round? Anyway, I agree with you. Like, I don't, I understand Najee's a running back, but I, I don't think more than two running backs will be gone at the end of the first round. Uh, maybe you disagree. I think that, you know, Javante and Travis will probably both be there uh, at the beginning of the second. And I think there might be an early run on them with those first, you know, I'm trying to think. 
with those first three picks, I could easily see the Jets taking one of them. But I think the Dolphins should have one running back available to them. Um, if we're playing it realistic, I don't see Najee here at all. To be honest with you, I think he will be the first running back taken. Uh, if it's between Javante and Travis for you, though, who are you taking? Javante. It's not I, even close. I agree. I, there are people who love ETN, and I get that. But, um, I mean, with Javante Williams, there was too many times where I was like, yeah, he doesn't play it like this insanely good school that's known for you know he played North Carolina not saying anything bad about them but like I saw him play many games where he just like was dominant like he when he had the football in his hand good luck trying to tackle him like for me him and Najee I think Najee is better but I don't think like Javante Williams is I think he's a first round talent I don't think he'll be taken in the first round but I mean, I, I'm I'm very high on Javante Williams, personally. Me as well. Okay, so we're going to take Javante here at 36, uh, 50. So let's talk about who we've gotten so far because we went Kyle Pitts, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, and Javante Williams. Do we go offensive line center right here? If, if you know, right here, Creed Humphrey and Quinn Mainers are available – would you take one of those guys here? Yeah, I would. And who are you higher on? Because I remember last podcast, uh, I forget who said one of the guys said they were not high on Quinn Mainers because of the division he played in. Uh, but I didn't get your take on it. Like, how are you on Quinn Mainers? Or I like him. I apologize if it's not correct. Yeah, I like him a lot. Um, you know, they list him as a center here, but he hadn't played center. I mean, except for, you know, limited snaps down at the senior bowl. Um, I think he's a heck of a player. Um, I think Creed Humphreys is more ready. I think Creed Humphreys set a record at, you know, playing like 36 games in a row without injury, um, you know, and, and played at the center position. So I think if you get Creed Humphrey, you're getting a player who's, you know, more ready day one than Quinn. But I, so my thing is I'd have Creed over him, but if Creed wasn't available, I'd have no heartburn, you know, taking Quinn whatsoever. And, and the reason why, honestly, to be honest, I lean more Quinn here is not because I think Creed is better, but the amount of times I've we've seen the Dolphins take people who they can develop. Like Quinn, I think, to be honest, has with his physicality, his power, his explosiveness, like I personally think he has a higher ceiling than Creed Humphrey. I completely agree. Like Creed, if he were to come in, he should be our starting center. But, I mean, what about the Dolphins makes me believe that if given that option, they will always take the guy who's more ready. Uh, I think that they would take Quinn here, even if Creed was available. Uh, I could be wrong with that. But in this situation where both are available, uh, realistically, who do you think that they would take? I mean, you, you, you made a great point as far as they absolutely are in love with projects. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, Quinn made a statement, you know, with Flores trying to get to play. So, I mean, if I'm going off past, you know, history, I would say Quinn. If I'm going off talent, I would say Creed. So, I mean, I guess in my past history is based on what I think they would do. So you would say Quinn here? Yeah. Okay. 
And do you think like, do you think Quinn is a late second round talent? Cause there are some people that said like 50 would be too early for him. Like that would be a reach. Um, I don't, I don't think that like, I think that it pick 50, if you know, you're not going to pick till 81, like, yeah, sometimes you have to get a player that, you know, maybe Quinn's a 60, 70 area, but it, it's not a, it is a reach, but if you're not going to pick again for 31 picks and you want that guy, take him. Yeah. I mean, I think getting him, getting Quinn at 36 is a reach just personally, but not by much. I think that well, that's what I'm saying. yeah, it, it's yeah. not much, but again, what are you supposed to do? You, you, I mean, you can trade up, but you, you're not picking again for 31 picks. So, you know, I just think if anybody is going, when, when the run on center start, any team besides Miami Dolphins is going to take Creed Humphrey over, um, you know, over Quinn. And I think, you know, then teams are going to have a conversation about how do they feel about Landon Dickerson's medical versus Quinn. So, I mean, I, I think that there's a real shot that, you know, Quinn's the third center taken. So, I mean, I don't so – you think – sh- Go ahead. No, so you think – because obviously, you know, talking about Alabama, uh, that's, that's your specialty. Like, you think knowing Landon Dickerson's injury history – because I personally think he's a far better center. And I mean, again, you watch more than him. I think he is, aside from injury, a far better center than the other two – but do you think because of that injury history, it's enough to where he's going to fall? Like, do you think he would be available at 50 for the Dolphins? I think it's possible. I mean, I know me, if, if I'm the GM, I'm not picking Landon Dickerson, period. Um, I love Landon Dickerson. I think he's probably one of the best dudes in the entire draft. You want to talk about work ethic, everything. He checks it's the phenomenal. box. That's what I'm saying. Aside from okay. injury, it's not but, even close. Yeah, but four out of five seasons, he's had season-ending injuries. I mean, no thing. I can't do it. I mean, he's a guy that after the game, I'll walk up and shake his hand and give him a hug and tell him how much I admire him. But I, I can't – I couldn't touch him. You're not giving them to the keys to the car? No, no. Okay. Not me personally, period. So pick 81, we went offensive line. We got a center, um, which honestly, center slash guard, uh, whatever you want to call him – we got a pass catcher with Kyle Pitts. We went linebacker defense. We got a running back. Pick 81 here. What position do you think we should target? I think linebacker's done. Um, yeah. I think you can start to look at – and I don't know. Maybe it's just me personally, and I don't do quite as much college film study as, you know, some other guys out there. I mean, I've seen a lot of these guys, um, but – I'm not overly impressed with the, you know, interior on the defensive line or the edge class. But, I mean, I think it's worth taking a look at, you know, to see who's available and then, you know, start to look at possibly like a safety corner because, I mean, I I don't think that there's a chance in Hades that we make it out of the draft without getting, you know, a corner, you know, on this team. I mean, I I said this on – I said this on the last, the last podcast. I don't – I mean, you let me know what you think. I don't think that edge is one of those positions that Brian Flores is going to covet as, like, premier, especially in this draft, but, like, premier first, maybe second round. Like, I think that with his scheme, he would much rather have the cornerback pay them a lot, have a defensive 
player like on the linebacker or interior defensive line and then at edge get guys like Van Ginkle who Chris Greer was just like raving about today um, in his press conference. I, I think that if they're going to get an edge, which they probably will, I think it's going to be more so in this third, fourth, fifth round rather than a premier position like first or second round. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I could see that. But, I mean, at the same time, I don't think that there's a lot of – just me personally, I don't think that there is a ton of, you know, edge players. Uh, you know, if Phillips didn't have – you know, hadn't been medically retired, I think he could be a top five draft pick. Right. Yeah. Uh, but there's outside of him, players, but a lot of question marks on there's question marks on all of them. There's no Chase Youngs. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, or, or Miles Gaskin. I mean, there's none of those guys this year. So, you know, I would say there, I would probably take a hard look at safety. I mean, I agree. Um, you know, need a, that's you know, what I like. I, I, I yeah. Would, um, I mean, there's a guy <laughs> again. <laughs> I feel like a broken record on the podcast, but DeMar Hamlin, there's, there's only one thing with DeMar Hamlin. And honestly, I'm not going to sit here and act like there's not, he's, he's perfect. Cause he's not, there were some times to be honest, when I watched film on him where I didn't like his post play attitude, like there were a couple of times and I understand like it's football, it's emotional, but there were a couple of times where I saw some stuff after the play where I was like, okay, he seemed, you know what I mean? Like you watch certain players and you're like, I don't, I don't know. Like you just seem a little, it, it, it's not cocky. Cause obviously you have to have a, a certain cockiness, but there's just a little sum about him post play that I, that I didn't love, but I just think like another guy smart, not the greatest athlete, but someone that because of his intelligence, Brian Flores would love to have him um, possibly behind, you know, Bobby McCain, uh, Divine Diablo is a guy they spent time with at the Senior Bowl. Uh, curious your thoughts on, you know, either those two guys or another guy that I'm missing. I'd, I'd probably lean, I mean, Diablo at this point. I mean, not only do they spend time with him, but I don't know that there's a, a guy in this draft class that's going to have a better name. <laughs> um, okay. Um, we need to get cool names on this team, right? We got Igbenogany, we got Agba, we got Van Ginkle, we need Diablo. Tonga Valoa. Tonga Valoa. How could I forget him? I'm gonna get. I mean, comments. I would go. I would go Diablo. Um, you know, at this point. Okay. Um, I'm. Hey, I'm. I'm fine with that. I think. Uh, to be honest, I think that rounds three through seven, like those late day two, day three picks, you're. That's where you're gonna see the Senior Bowl. That's where it's really gonna take its effect because you're gonna see a lot of guys here that the Dolphins are gonna take because they got to spend a whole week with them um during that senior bowl uh so i think you know diablo they got to spend time with him as you said cool name um definitely a lot of potential uh but yeah i think that just like that senior bowl is going to really take effect right here uh in these rounds so we take divine divine oh my god divine diablo and we don't pick for a long time now is there a chance you think that you know, we, we possibly make a trade somewhere that we didn't account for to try to get a pick in the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it. Um, you know, they, they love to move around. So, mm-hmm. you know, it should be interesting, but it, I mean, at one fifty six, I want to start to look at, you know, what are my tackles that are left here? Let's see. 
trying to see if any of these look familiar from the senior ball. I'll scroll slowly. And then if you see one, let me know. Hmm. I mean, there, there might be some, to be honest, I, I'm not really too familiar with the tackle class. Like once it gets past second, third round, I'm not really too, too familiar. Um, so this, this wouldn't be my area. Let's look at the edge. That's where I was. That's where I was thinking. I was thinking of going edge because I think this is a prime position where the Dolphins could find, you know, Van Ginkle. Not saying every player is Van Ginkle. Obviously, like you're going to have misses in drafts. It's not like, yeah, if the Dolphins take a player in the fifth round, he's always going to succeed. No, Curtis Weaver. But like, I think this would be a prime opportunity for them to find an edge rusher. Um, I mean, Patrick Jones, I think he's. To me, he's higher rated. I think he would be like a fifth-round pick. Uh, I would probably go him, Dalen Hayes, um, maybe. Uh, but I think Patrick Jones here would probably be my pick. I like Ellerson Smith. He's not on the board, though. Um, but, I mean, maybe Shaka Tony. Mm, you don't like Cooper? I do. It's just so I, 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 Was he at the Senior Bowl? Now that I'm, I'm not going to be hundred percent sure. The, the, a lot of this has to do with, I just feel like the senior bowl will have a big impact. Um, it's not to say I don't like guys like, but to be honest with you, I haven't scouted a hundred percent. Like I'm no Kyle Krabs. Uh, he's, you know, much more in depth on this stuff. I don't know everything about Cooper. Um, I just know, like I'm looking at names that I think are familiar uh, guys that I think have potential. Uh, in the league and guys that Brian Flores and his staff would feel comfortable taking, you know, having worked with them before. I'm not really sure about Cooper. I don't really know too much about him. Uh, so that would be your insight that you could give. Uh, I mean, Cooper's all right. I mean, if you look he had you know, three sacks this past year, um, I mean, played a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of snaps there on defense, 358. Um, he's more of a pass rush guy, you know, than a run guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I think if you, you, if you're getting him, I mean, you're not getting the next, uh, you know, uh, you know, top edge, you know, player in the world. I think that you're getting a guy that can be, you know, a project and, you know, Patrick Jones, you know, played a ton of snaps as well. I wouldn't have a you know problem going there either. I think either one of them are going to be, you know, long-term projects that neither one of them are going to just jump off the page in year one and, you know, and, and look like the number one pick or anything. No. Yeah. I mean, I look at, I didn't really know this about Patrick Jones and this for people listening that can't see, I mean, he, yeah, he plays at Pittsburgh, but 2018, 2019, 2020, um, four sacks, 10 sacks, nine sacks. So in his three years that he played 23 sacks, um, I mean, it's pretty, that's pretty good. That'd be a guy that, again, you, you let me know. I'm curious to see what you think, but I think between him playing at the senior bowl, he shows that he has good production again, like last year, there wasn't a drop off really significantly. Um, he had more batted balls, less hurries. Uh, well, he, he played in two less games this year too. So. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a guy that I do, I do think that's an important part of players is did they progress? You know, I think that was a huge knock on Raekwon Davis's 
which, you know, probably isn't going to translate to the NFL because he did have a good rookie season. But a big thing on him is a lot of people talked about, did he plateau, you know, after that big year where he was considered like what a top 10 pick, you know, a thing with these players is, yeah, they may not be amazing, but did they have improvement? Cause if you can yeah. get a coach like Brian Flores, that can coach him up. That's what they care about. Uh, for me, I probably lean Patrick Jones here. That sounds good, man. Okay. Drafting Patrick Jones. Our next pick isn't till the sixth round. Um, so we're waiting. Yeah, this is, I honestly love, and that's the thing I love about our front office is I'm not saying every pick's going to hit because that's impossible, but I love like what they do with these type of picks because I've seen players drafted by Greer that when they get to these later rounds, like they end up not always working. I'm not saying they always work, but I mean, you look at last year, you have, or you look at Van Ginkle, you look at Miles Gaskin, you look at, I know we laugh because he's a long snapper, but Blake Ferguson, who you may have been able to get in, you know, uh, off waivers. But I just love, I love that our, front office doesn't just like throw away these picks like i love that us as fans like we can look at these picks and say yeah they may be developmental but i'm curious to see what they can become because you look at players like gaskin and van ginkle and you think okay let's let's see what we can do in the fifth sixth seventh round yes sir i i, I want to look at the wide receiver position here at 231 I completely agree completely agree um it's crazy too. Cause I think there's still players. Like I think there's wide receivers that you're going to find like fifth, sixth round that like they'll give good competition for the starters, like on any team. Like I, I really do think that there are great wide receivers all over. Yeah. I like Frank Darby. I, uh, I agree. I, he was a guy that um, when I watched him at the senior bowl, like I was like, that that he I, I said he looked like Antonio Brown because he was wearing 84 and like the way he ran and played he reminded me of it I'm not saying look I'm not not saying he's going to be Antonio Brown but he was the guy that when I looked at him I was like he kind of reminds me the way he plays like an Antonio Brown Antonio Brown was a pretty I think a pretty late draft pick too yeah he was and um obviously you know off the field that's a different story but uh frank darby you know that's the guy i was going here um i think that'd be a good pick and and the wide receiver position you know i think the main thing is we don't we we could get just players later on in the draft that are going to be good competition because you know i don't we don't know what lynn bowden's going to be malcolm perry's still there albert wilson Devontae parker preston williams Grant's still on the team. Will Fuller, like we have a lot of wide receivers right now. And honestly, I'm curious to see what they do as a, you know, off season progresses. But I think that, you know, it's more important to just get like depth right here, considering you already got Kyle Pitts rather than, you know, getting wide receivers higher up. I agree. I'd go, I'd pull the trigger on Darby. Okay. And I'd I'd be pretty happy. I I would too. And and I, I think that the dolphins have a, I mean, I, I, this is kind of dating back to a bunch of past GMs, but I think the Dolphins have a good eye for finding wide receiver talent. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I just, that and running backs, like I think the Dolphins have a good eye at finding that. Historically, we have. Um, not saying they've always panned out, obviously. Parker with his injuries, Preston with his injuries, but 
there's a lot of stuff like that you can't account for. But I think that the Dolphins historically have always had a pretty good eye for wide receiver and running back. Um, so I'm curious to, I always love the wide receivers that we take like later in the draft and in uh, undrafted free agency, because I always, I'm like, did they just find another, you know, whoever it may be Preston, even though injury, like I always get excited about those later round picks. Depends on how far you want to go back. Cause if we're talking recently, I think they have a terrible history of drafting running backs and wide receivers, yeah. but, um, but no, I mean, because I'm not really high on Miles Gaskin. Um, well, I'm saying like I think. I'm saying finding talent because I think like you look at Preston Williams, Miles Gaskin. You look at with the Kalen Balaj uh, or not Kalen Balaj, uh, Jay Ajayi. I understand like yeah, injury, but Kenyon Drake. Like I, I'm saying I I think they have a good eye for talent with the running back and wide receiver. There's obviously been the Leonte Carews of the world. I just think that historically we've been a team that has been able to find value and talent at those positions. Yeah. I mean, my only issue is, is like on offense and, you know, and, and even defense, they find those players and then they let them go. I mean, Tunsil's a better offensive lineman than anybody that's on the team right now. You had Jarvis Landry, you had Kenyon Drake, you had Minka Fitzpatrick. I mean, you, you got rid of all of them. Um, and, and they're all still playing at a high level right now. You'll never hear me um, complain about Tunsil after all the I, look. I, you'll never. Well, hear and me. I get that part, but I'm just saying, as a player, he's better than anything you got <laughs> oh, on the line right now. Oh, oh. Um, either, but Jay Jai or Jay Jai, I'm not going to blame our staff. I blame Gase. Jarvis Landry, I blame Gase. Minka didn't want to be here, so I'm like, there's only so much we could do. But no, I agree. I mean. At a certain point, it's going to be about this organization being able to maintain the players. Um, and I've said that about this organization. Like, people that think that this organization has never been able to draft, like, that's not correct. The, the problem with this organization has been sustaining a team and being able to build a team the right way with contracts and everything. Like, we've had talented players on the team. Like, to think that we've been the Jaguars, like, we haven't. We've had... Jarvis Landry's, Laramie Tunsil's, um, Rashad Jones, you know, you, the list goes on. We've had and drafted talented players. It's about can you build the team the right way? Can you structure contracts properly? Can you coach guys up that maybe necessarily aren't as talented? Um, but, like, uh, I, I think that the main problem with the team in the past hasn't been, like, finding talent. I think we've been able to do that plenty fine, to be honest. Agree. I mean, uh, I don't necessarily disagree on any of that. And I mean, if we're at pick two fifty eight here, I want to take a peek at quarterbacks. Uh, I that's what, yep. And the only quarterback we worked with here that's on the board, Felipe Franks. We worked with him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, would you want him? I would. I mean, because here's my thing: if you pull up and look at his stats, Felipe Franks was not good at Florida. Okay, but when he played um, for Arkansas, I thought that there was significant, um, you know, improvement. I mean, if you look 2018, 2019, and 2020, his passer rating went up every year. Right. Um, you know, TD 17 in 2020 versus five in 2019. Um, his overall percentage, you know, was good. Um, he's got some arm talent. He, he's, you know, maneuverable in the backfield. And like I said, 
Um, you know, and, and it's funny. One of the pros is, is Cannon owns the farthest throw we've ever charted in college. Hmm. You know, the Hail Mary versus Tennessee. Um, so my thing is, is I'm not sitting here pumping up Felipe Franks to be the next starter. Right. Okay. You know, but as far as this late in the draft, you know, a project, I mean, because you're going to need a scout team guy unless you're keeping, you know, Reed Sinet, you know, around and stuff like that. So, I mean, at this point, I, I would roll the dice on a, you know, on a Felipe Franks and, you know, and if he develops, hey, we're in really good shape. Um, if he didn't, I mean, we spent pick 258 on him. All right. And the thing that's so cool about quarterbacks and we saw with Jimmy Garoppolo um, is it's not always necessarily like if the goal is for Tua to develop, if you take a quarterback and if he develops and maybe he gets opportunities to play in preseason games or, you know, God forbid someone gets injured. If you can get a good backup quarterback that shows like he has potential, you can also move on from him and trade him for assets. And so a backup quarterback's not always necessarily like, Hey, can we get a guy that's going to, you know, day one, be a starter? Are there no flaws in his game? You know, he's eventually going to take over for your number one quarterback. Like, no, sometimes it's about, Hey, can we get a guy in here to potentially groom to where worst case scenario? Yeah. If he shows a lot of promise, he can start for us, but you know, best case scenario, your starter to develops the way we think he will. And Felipe does. And now you have a guy that you can get rid of, get assets for. And all you did was use a seventh round pick on him. I agree. So let's go over the smock draft real quick. Uh, just to, you know, recap everything with the first round. Also, we did no trades. So with the first round, we did Kyle Pitts and uh, joke is what you, what you say. It's much easier. Second round, mm-hmm. Javante and Quinn minors uh, pick 81 divine Diablo. Then we got edge wide receiver and quarterback with Patrick Jones, Frank Darby and Felipe Franks. I mean, aside from tackle, we pretty much addressed the main needs for this team. Like you would go in day one and, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're going to have four starters, in my opinion, right here. Like- I think you got 3.5. I mean, because I think Quinn could or could not. I hope to goodness he doesn't start at center day one. Um, but, you know, depending on how the guard battles, you know, go on, I think he could start. Um, but, I mean, I think you've got at minimum three, and I, I'd say three and a half because there's a chance Quinn does, but, you know, a chance he doesn't. But, I mean, you've got a solid three, maybe four starters right there. Right. And I think that's that's really the, the main thing I want to see from the Dolphins is, can you get guys who, like, I don't care necessarily what position. I just want good players that can have an impact, like, on our team right now because, like, again, it, it doesn't always need to be the wide receiver. Or something. Like, if you get a dominant linebacker, like you said, Micah Parsons or something, where – you just have a phenomenal player that can be a starter. To me, that's what the Dolphins need. We just need like, let's just get more good players because I feel fine with the coaching staff. I know we need help on the offense, probably a little more than defense, but like, let's just get good players. That's what good GMs do. They just get good players, BPA, best player available. Like, let's just get a bunch of phenomenal players, worry about the rest after that. Be nice. I mean, you've upgraded. You've got a weapon. You've got a running back. You've got a possible, 
you know, center and guard, um, you know, and that's just through picks, you know, six through 50. Right. I think you've added some, you've added some depth to safety, to edge, you know, edge can possibly be a starter. Um, but it, even at worst, you've added, you know, depth to those two positions. Um, at the wide receiver position, I think that you've added a guy that could possibly come in and see some meaningful snaps. And, and another thing is, I wouldn't be surprised if pick 18, like we keep talking about pick six. Another guy I like is Avon Collins. I wouldn't be surprised if 18, you know, someone wants a certain player, they decide to trade back and get Zayvon Collins, maybe pick up a fourth. Like I wouldn't be surprised or upset if that happened as well. You know, just get players that you feel comfortable with and that you feel like can make an impact on this team. And I'll, I'll be happy with, you know, it, it, whatever position that is at six or 18, like just get good players and, and, and not the, you know, these people who, you know, no offense are just like, you know, up in the air, like, will they impact us day one? Will they not? Like, can we just get some solid starter guys up here? Can we get some good players? And then, you know, whatever position they are, we'll worry about that later. So you're saying you don't want, you know, a Noah Igbenami at pick, you know, 18 or 30 or 36. No, and and to be honest, here's the reason why real quick is I will I'm not Here's I always say this with players like I will not draft or grade no ignogni like I don't do draft grades on players until after their second season unless they're getting like a lot of meaningful snaps. I'm not saying like by year one you can't kind of tell trajectory of a player but like I'm not going to give a draft grade on Noah until I see him in like a significant role if that happens. Um, but for me, like this year, I don't want a bunch of, you know, developmental guys. And the reason for that is because I feel like last year you got some guys that can develop. Hopefully Noah can Austin Jackson. We'll see, but you got some developmental guys. I want to see guys that can come in now and between the people that have been developing for two years and some starters now, like the, the dolphins window to win is it, it, it doesn't get bigger. You know what I mean? Like your window to win closes. And especially if you want to win with a rookie quarterback in Tua with a rookie contract, get guys in here that can help you do that right now. Like you did last year, you got some guys where, you know, Noah, you got because Xavier Howard might get injured. We have someone in him. You get Austin Jackson because, you know, maybe I don't, I don't know. Maybe you just thought he was the best tackle. But like this year, I want to see a different. I want to see them get players that can help them win now because your window to win is not going to get any larger. Your window to win is getting smaller and smaller because if you draft the right way and you get good players, you're going to have to pay them, which is what we talked about. You can't just get good players and get rid of them. If you want to get good players and pay them, hopefully you can start winning now with your rookie quarterback. So get good players out there that can help him right away and not players that hopefully two, three years down the road turn out to be the guy you want them to be. I agree. I, I just thought for like five minutes, you're like, yep. Well, I mean, I, I think it was well said. I mean, no, I, I don't well, want to yeah. just like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with, with any of that. I, I, you know, I don't want to judge Noah, but to say that, you know, at pick 30, 
you know, the results was not a little disappointing, I think is disingenuous, doesn't mean anything about his future. It's not condemning him. Um, he may be a Hall of Fame player and I'll be here for it. Um, but we all hope, you know, especially with the holes that, you know, the Dolphins have, that they're able to fill those, you know, with quality guys that you can get some quality reps day one, because we're tired of the, you know, Austin Jackson, you know, wasn't really healthy and, and Tua didn't have a chance to, to train. He had to rehab and Noah was the youngest player in the draft. It's tired of the excuses, get people that can come in there and play ball. And if you do that, you'll have a lot of happy people. If you don't, then, you know, things are going to, you know, bad things are going to start to happen. Right. And and I also wonder, like, if they do that, because a big reason I think they got developmental guys is because I don't anticipate, I don't think they anticipated winning 10 games like anyone did. And so I think there were, they were trying to get a lot of guys that their peak or when they got good was when the Dolphins were ready to win. Um, and I think that I, I, I personally am curious to see what Chris Greer and Brian Flores learned from last year's draft and from last year's season. Cause I think the true way to grow and to get better in any position, whether you're a GM, whether you're a doctor, whether you're a lo- whatever you are is to learn from past mistakes. And I'm very curious to see what Chris Greer learned from last draft. And also I'm curious to see, you know, after three years of seeing Chris Greer be at the helm with Brian Flores, after this draft, we're going to get a good sense of what they like, what they like to do, what they don't like to do. Um, and I think this is the first year that we're truly going to see Brian Flores and Chris Greer have their team. They got rid of a lot of people that they signed last year. Um, they got rid of some other people that uh, they didn't take. They got some draft picks last year that worked out some that didn't, they took chances on players. It worked out. Some didn't. So I'm really curious personally to just see, you know, what did these two guys and Brian Flores and Chris Greer learn from last year? And, you know, again, I don't think it would be a shock to see them come out and just get a lot of starters guys that they think can win right now because they understand like, you know, excuse my French, but like shit, like we are, in our window. Like we, we won 10, we went 10, six last year. You think we might go eight and eight, nine, seven, but point is, I think we're ahead of where we should be. And so they understand like, Oh, we need to get guys that can help us right now because we can't get these developmental guys again. And then be like, Oh, well, we had some developmental guys. They're not ready yet. No, no, no. You need to get players that can play now. Let's go out there and win games. Yeah, I mean, the only the last thing I'll say about that is, and I don't know. Um, I just think that developmental guys is just guys being too cute. Because if you've got two players and one guy is better than the other player, and you don't draft a guy that's better than the other player, I, I'll never understand why you don't. I think it's just being too cute and of, oh, well, I can make this guy, you know, a better player. Yeah, but that's how people get fired. And and I'm not saying anybody on the staff is getting fired or or any of that. But I'm just saying I think oftentimes when you choose to go the developmental and you had a better player, I think that is extremely risky. I think that's being too cute, and you need to get the best player, you know, that can help you. They may not have anticipated winning 10 games last year, 
But if they went into the draft of, hey, we don't necessarily need guys that's going to help us win now, but they'll help us win in a couple of years, you know, I'm concerned. <laughs> I'm a little concerned, um, you know, of uh, you should always be getting, you know, what is what's the best available to me right now that I can get. Um, and I think that – and I'm not saying that what you said is completely wrong. I think that just if people hear that, they can take it to the extreme. I think that, you know – when you have so many holes to fill like they did last year, there's only certain things that you can do. And I think that plays into what you were, you know, you're speaking to. Um, but I was just sort of playing devil's advocate of, you know, the people that will take it to the extreme, you know, of uh, that point. I, I hope this year that we see less risk, you know, less, you know, things like Jalen Phillips and, and things of that nature. And I, I hope that they're able to get, you know, wouldn't we all be fantastic if, you know, next year we've got the Justin Jefferson or the the worse or the Becton, you know, the top performing rookie. I mean, I think we would all be happy. And and there's enough picks that, you know, it's going to be a little disappointing if that doesn't happen. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I, I know that Brian Flores and Chris Greer say, like, you know, we don't care about what the media thinks of Tua, about what people think. Like, I think they, if I were them, I'm going to try and go out there and get as many good guys, whether it's offensive line, running back, wide receiver. I want to go out there and get guys to make this quarterback succeed as good as he can, or or that's bad phrasing, but I want to go out there and get as many players that right now can help my offense succeed because you know, as well as I do, the number one thing that that we are all banking on as far as how good we are going to be is how well two is that's every team you're only as good as your quarterback is so i if i were them my number one goal would be let's go out there and make two look good as or look as good as we can not saying that they need to obviously two is going to develop but let's go out there and get as get him as much help as we can because the better Tua plays the better our team is the less people are trying to make our quarterback look out to be like this trash quarterback and also at the same time, the better we look for taking him at five last year. So I think they are just going to go all in. Like, let's just get this guy a bunch of weapons. Go from there. And not necessarily weapons. When I say weapons, I mean offensive line too. I consider offensive lineman a weapon. It's not someone you throw to or hand the ball off to. An offensive line is probably the strongest weapon aside from quarterback you could have on your offense. I agree, and I hope so, man. I mean, I, I hope we don't go and get a Micah Parsons at six and a and a you know a cornerback at eighteen. I mean, if they do, I think the sky's going to fall and Twitter's going to get shut down. No, and I don't think they will. I think, I mean, we saw last year with Tua. Tua was the best quarterback they could have taken. Obviously, you know, Justin Herbert did have a phenomenal season, but like, I mean, they're they they also understand they're not like idiots. Like, I don't think people out there think like Chris Greer is going to take some guy who's ranked like 50th at six. Like, no, they're not, they're not idiots. When they had the chance to take Tunsil when he did in 2016 and when they had to take the chance to take Minka, they did. And I don't think they're idiots. They know we got to make Tua look good because if Tua looks good, we look good. So, you know, I, I just think personally they, they, they're, they're going to try to go out and get as many good players uh, especially on offense, maybe defense might be more developmental, but offense definitely. I think they're going to try to get as many guys that can win right now uh, as they can, personally. So, 
that those are my last thoughts uh before i let you go because it's been about nine hours um what are you working on man-to-man coverage is there anything you can let the audience know what you've been working on anything we can expect before the draft um i will tell you that we got the exciting news that you know man-to-man coverage is now available on spotify so you can find us man dash two dash man coverage and you'll see the you know pretty logo there of the xavian howard pick and you know and follow us on spotify um just released our last episode last night where we had Sorty or Fenzer Dodd, you know, playing the role of Chris Greer and Professor Clump playing the role of Flores and did our mock draft. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will record next our next episode on Tuesday of next week. So it's going to be and it'll be released Wednesday, the day before the draft. Um, still floating some ideas, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of draft content, you know, in there um, for everybody. And it's pretty exciting. You know, when you look at our schedules, I've only got one more podcast to do before we actually know who we've drafted. And before I let you go, I got to ask just because I won't be doing a podcast probably right after the draft. I, um, I'm getting surgery and I probably won't be able to record right after. So I have to ask you now, what will, in short, what is the one scenario where in the draft you will be jumping for joy at pick six? What's the one scenario you'll be jumping for joy? And what's the one scenario where you will throw your hat on the ground? Just give me those two real quick, just to let the audience know what you're, you know, what you're looking for in the draft. I'll, I'll own the hate. Um, many people feel differently, but if, if the Dolphins draft Jamar Chase, I'll be, I'll be pretty bummed okay. at six. Um, and, and, you know, as far as ecstatic, I mean, there's two choices. I mean, if they drafted a uh, Panay Sewell, I mean, I might, you know, run through the streets naked. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I mean, I wouldn't run through the streets naked, but I'd be pretty excited if I got to see, you know, Devontae Smith picked it um, six. Okay, so if, if we go Panay Sword, what about – is Kyle Pitts like you'd be indifferent, like you wouldn't be jumping for joy or upset? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd call that indifferent, yeah. Like you just be like, oh, okay, cool. Like I'm not mad. I'm not like super excited. Like, good yeah, play. he's yeah, he's not my favorite player. Um, but I, there's undeniable talent, body. You know, everything checks the boxes. So it's it's something that I can't be mad at them if they did it. I, I understand why they did it. It's just not my personal flavor. Right. Well, man. Again, as always, I really appreciate you spending an hour and 43 minutes of your day with me uh, and with us on the podcast. Again, guys, if you have not listened yet, I'll be dropping the link uh, definitely on the post uh, and in the description of man to man coverage. If you have not listened, definitely go check them out. And as always, James, man, thanks for coming on the podcast. Appreciate you. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. You too.